welcome to the Sisters for Prevention Breast Cancer Resource Podcast and YouTube channels. I am your host, Judy Fitzgerald, and it is my great pleasure to bring you the latest information and strategies for breast cancer survival and prevention. I am a 12-year breast cancer survivor living with NED, no evidence of disease. My passion is supporting the primary prevention of breast and ovarian cancers. It is my great honor to serve as a consumer advocate for the breast and ovarian cancer vaccines developed by Dr. Vincent Tui at the Lerner Research Institute at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. 2021 was an exciting year for breast cancer. It was the year we launched the phase one clinical trial for the first preventive breast cancer vaccine. This vaccine is presently being tested on recently diagnosed triple negative breast cancer patients who have completed treatment. Our goal is to prevent recurrence in these patients. Sadly, triple negative breast cancer is the most lethal form of the disease and has the highest probability for recurrence within the first five years. So what's next? We will need support to complete all phases of the clinical trials to obtain FDA approval. Once the vaccine is proven safe and effective, the Cleveland Clinic has partnered with the Nixa Bioscience and their CEO, Dr. Amit Kumar, to commercialize the breast and ovarian cancer vaccines and make them available for use. For all things breast cancer and to remain updated on the vaccine's progress, please visit my website, www.sistersforprevention.com. That's www, the number four, sistersforprevention.com. And now it is my great pleasure to bring you today's program. Thank you for joining us. is Judy Fitzgerald. She is a breast cancer survivor, advocate for prevention, and podcaster. She founded Sisters for Prevention in 2010 and was selected by Ford Motor Company as Warrior in Pink because of her service to the breast cancer community. She's here today to talk about her work in helping to find a vaccine to prevent triple negative breast cancer. Judy, I want to tell you what an honor it is to have you on my show today. Um, I'm so glad that to call you my friend. So proud to, of the work that you're doing in an effort to help prevent breast cancer from recurring. Can you tell our audience a little bit about how you got started and everything that you're doing? I mean, you've, you're an amazing woman doing amazing work for breast cancer research. So let the audience know how it all got started for you. Well, thank you so much, Christina. I'm so honored to be on your show. So uh, in 2009, um, right before Christmas, I had my yearly mammogram at my local hospital, like I always do, like we all do, and I didn't hear anything. So I was like, oh, thank goodness I dodged another year. But two weeks later, I received a phone call that there were microcalcifications in my right breast. Um, I had dense breast disease like many of us have. And I had had scares before with microcalcifications, 
and actually I'd even had a lumpectomy 10 years prior. But I was a little taken aback when the phone call said, you need a biopsy right away, because normally when there is an abnormal uh, viewing on a mammogram, they just call you back for more detailed films. But they were pretty sure something was definitely wrong, and um, they offered to make arrangements for me to see a surgeon. So this is the first stage of my journey where I say a God incident stepped in because my sister-in-law had sadly just been diagnosed with breast cancer and had a whole team set up at Dana-Farber in Boston, which is one of the best uh, cancer hospitals in the country. And I always, now I advocate to get a second opinion because in my case, my second opinion would prove to save my life because the nurse practitioner during my physical exam at Dana-Farber felt a lump that was hidden behind um, breast tissue um, on my left side, which wasn't suspicious from the mammogram at all, didn't show up. And had I not gone for a second opinion, there was invasive cancer and that probably would have been the cancer that would have taken my life. And so through all the testing at Dana-Farber, I had several biopsies and I was diagnosed with bilateral breast cancer, which is pretty rare. I had a two centimeter invasive tumor on the left side and I had throughout both breasts uh, in situ cancer, which is still not invasive, but some, some call it stage zero cancer, but um, they actually said it was so extensive that um, mastectomy was definitely the way to go. So I did have a mastectomy with what they called immediate reconstruction, which is kind of a misnomer, but I did have expanders put in and to reduce my estrogen load, all of my tumors proved to be extremely estrogen receptor positive, ER and PR positive. Thank goodness I was HER2 negative, but I would actually need to get my estrogen under control. And they tried several um, pharmaceutical ways that didn't work, so I actually had a hysterectomy. Oh, wow. Um, I am such an advocate for a second opinion as well. I had um, gone for a year and a half with the fluid field cyst, and they just kept draining it. Every doctor that I saw would drain it. I saw probably three or four different doctors in that time frame of a year and a half who would just drain it. And finally, the last doctor said, we need to get you to a surgeon. You know, you you have to get this uh, checked out. And had it not been for him, you know, who knows what would have happened because when mine was discovered, it was stage three. Um, Judy, I know that you're working with an incredible physician named Dr. Tui, who has brought breast cancer research, like, it's come leaps and bounds uh, because of what he's doing. Can you tell me about his work and how you ended up working with him? And what you mean by when you say that Dr. Tui saved you, I saw that on your website. Just explain to the audience all about that. Well, we often think of life after breast cancer is going to be a relief because our treatment is over. But even though you've got support of your friends and family, it's a stressful and lonely road. Because at the end of my year of treatment, like so many survivors, I felt lost and actually was in a bit of a depression because it was like, now what do I do? Um, I fully support that more studies are needed for post-breast cancer stress disorder because I really feel like it's a serious issue 
uh, with women survivors. Um, and those that haven't experienced a cancer diagnosis can't understand that there's always that little demon in the back of your head whispering, come back, I could come back. And throughout my treatment and thereafter, I became obsessed with discovering any possible lifestyle and diet changes that might help me prevent recurrence. So I read every book I could find by a breast cancer survivor and kept a journal of what supplements they took and what dietary changes they made. So while I was Googling prevention, I came upon a video of Dr. Tui. He was from the Cleveland Clinic, Learner Research Institute, and he had just appeared before Congress at the invitation of Debbie Wasserman Schultz, herself a triple negative breast cancer survivor. And he was lobbying funds to bring a preventive breast cancer vaccine from his research lab to the clinic. And I couldn't believe that someone was out there that could prevent this horrible disease and nobody was giving him the money. I thought that was just like outrageous. So I immediately researched Dr. Tui and I actually called his office and left a message. So the next day, Dr. Tui himself called me back and he said that he'd been working on this vaccine for 10 years. It was proven in all the mice models to be 95% effective at preventing breast cancer. But the reason he couldn't bring it to the clinic was he didn't lack of funding. He was not an oncologist, he's an immunologist. And we would find out later that this is, was a big source of the challenge. So I was so angry to think that this possible cure actually existed and was sitting on a shelf in Cleveland due to lack of funding. So I became passionate about helping raising funness, funds and awareness for Dr. Tui. And I say he saved me because instead of wallowing in my own fear of recurrence and self-pity, which could have easily done, I guess, I could now focus instead on promoting and supporting primary prevention, which is so different than our normal prevention, which is get a mammogram, early detection. We're talking about this, this disease would not be able to get started. Um, as Dr. Tui says, prevention is the cure. So I could go on forever about Dr. Tui's perseverance and tenacity, but he's just a brilliant scientist and a dedicated, compassionate human being that I am blessed to call my friend. So it took 12 years of me being involved with Dr. Tui to get the funding for the phase one clinical trial. So as we speak, this vaccine is being tested on triple negative breast cancer patients who have just completed treatment and is under the direction of Dr. Thomas Budd at the Tosa Cancer Center. And I am honored to serve as a patient advocate on the trial. Now, let me explain just briefly. So we are in the mouse model in the lab and in vitro studies, which means it was tested on human tissue. This vaccine prevented breast cancer 95% all types. But what was discovered later after more research was that it was particularly effective on triple negative breast cancer. So how do you prove prevention? That's a tricky, tricky thing. So what we are doing in phase 1A trial is we have taken triple negative breast cancer patients who have a high probability of recurrence within five years. So 
we're taking them and we're giving them the vaccine while they are considered no evidence of disease. They've just completed their treatment and we're gonna follow them. And by following them, we can actually see if this prevents the disease from recurring. The phase 1B will be the arm where we will test whether it can uh, actually, uh, phase 1B and then on to phase two is when we get to look at definite efficacy, which means will it work in preventing the disease from happening at all? That's fantastic. I know as a triple negative breast cancer survivor for almost two years now, um, you know, like you said earlier, that little demon is always in the back of your head, you know, that recurrence, recurrence. Am I going to, is it going to come back? That's, it's, it's a scary thing. Um, so I just want to thank you so much and thank Dr. Tui for your, for your work. It's, it's just so important um, for, you know, for women and for triple negative breast cancer patients like myself. And I also know that you served as a consumer reviewer for the Department of Defense and that you lobbied Congress to get the funding for this vaccine. Can you tell me what that was like um, going before Congress? Well, the lobby trip was an incredible experience. Like I, something I will never forget. But how, how did I get there? Well, at one of our breast cancer trial meetings, uh, now that we were getting the trial started, I asked Dr. Chewy, what else do you think we need to do to go to get more funding for, for these type of clinical trials? And he said, well, Judy, if you really want to make a difference, go to Congress. So I thought, well, I have no idea how to do that. But I was like, here goes that God incidence thing again. So after two months of work, which I had a breast cancer survivor who was a professional lobbyist volunteer to help me and people just appeared out of the woodwork. Um, we put together a program and Tony Turchi and Marjorie Moyer and myself actually were able to meet with six representatives from the, uh, the, the house. And we actually dubbed our mission, the women's healthcare initiative. What we were going for was specifically money allocated for clinical trials for prevention, primary prevention of breast and ovarian cancers. So why do we bring ovarian cancer in? Well, Dr. Tui actually has an ovarian cancer vaccine, which again, we're trying to get that into, uh, actually to what we call from bench to bedside. But Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz actually championed our cause and put our exact language that we wanted in to the House budget. And we almost had a party when it passed, but then it went to the Senate. <laughs> and we all know how that goes, but it did get in the Senate bill approval. However, it was watered down to say, gynecological cancers and the word prevention was left out. So what it meant was this little bucket of money now could be used for drug testing and not for necessarily for primary prevention. It could be used for recurrence, which is, you know, the other arm of the, of the treatment thing. But however, shortly thereafter, Dr. Tui got a grant from NIH slash NCI for his ovarian cancer vaccine. And that what's going to happen with the ovarian cancer is that uh, it took us five years to get the mouse vaccine into human form. 
And that lab, all that work was done at Dr. Tui's research lab. And that he has two employees. All of the money only goes to these two employees, but it took five years. So NIH is going to take that mouse vaccine and they're going to humanize it, which NIH has how many thousands of employees. We're hoping that's going to be a much quicker because um, we all know ovarian cancer is a silent killer. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's just so fantastic how you've been able to, you know, take his vaccine from sitting on a shelf, well, you and, and him together along with other people, and to actually put it into the trials. I mean, I just, that's just, it's amazing to me. And it's really sad to think that he had that sitting on a shelf. And, you know, I mean, I think that God gives man wisdom and knowledge to do things, but we all need money as well to make those things happen. And sometimes it gets caught up in red tape. And like you said, in Congress, the House and the Senate, unfortunately, that happens. And um, so I want to switch gears here a little bit. I know that your motto uh, for your life was cancer is just a word and not a life sentence. And it's also the motto that's on your website, sistersforprevention.com. Um, can you tell me how you went from feeling absolutely devastated when you first were diagnosed, like we all are, and you didn't allow that cancer diagnosis to be a life sentence for you, but only to be a word in your life? Well, sadly, you know too well the panic you feel when you hear that word cancer. I mean, I was like a deer in the headlights. I, and your, auto, your mind automatically goes to the dark side and you think your life is over. So... Another feeling I had, which was really bothering me, was like, how did my body betray me like this? Like, I'm in control usually, and I had no idea this was going on. Um, nobody in my family had had cancer of any kind, and here I was with three different cancers in my breast. So although I realized I couldn't control a recurrence, but what I could control was what I put in my body. So I could avoid toxic chemicals, I could exercise more and I could really just be more aware of my environment. And I would tr do all I could humanly possible, but then just turn the rest over to God. So the quote that cancer is a word and not a sentence came from a book I read from a long-term survivor. And I got to tell you, one of the best books I ever read, I read every book I could find from a cancer survivor, but is a book by Sue Buchanan. And she had gone and was given a fatal diagnosis. She was told to go home and get her affairs in order and that she had six months to live. And so the title of her book says it all. I'm alive and the doctor's dead. So, so we all know how that turned out. Yeah. So when I'm speaking with newly diagnosed patients facing the most aggressive cancers and poor prognosis, I always stress the positive. So I'll use this as an example. I'll say, well, your cancer has a 3% uh, chance of survival, but don't let the doctor bully you. Do your own research, be your own best advocate, because you could be in that 3%. No one's gonna tell you that, I mean, I've talked to so many women that this has happened to, and I think that we need to forget that. We forget to, that we shouldn't be treating our doctor like God. He's not God. And everybody makes mistakes. But the other thing is, everyone's cancer is different. And your cancer journey is different than someone else. So someone who is in the 95% that didn't make it doesn't mean that you, you can't make it. 
that's, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know when my doctor, when I was first diagnosed, my oncologist told me, he said, you know, I had all the questions like we all do. And he said, I can't give you this standard answer because all cancers are different. Every woman is different. Every case is different. Um, so he said, what you need to do is just go live your life, be as happy and positive as you can, and let me worry about the cancer. That's what I tried to do. And I tried to look at it like you did. Not necessarily, I didn't necessarily have that uh, motto in my mind like you did, cancer is just a word. But I, I felt like my cancer had a purpose and uh, I was going to use it to Mm-hmm. do some good and so I took the focus off of my cancer and put it onto other survivors like you like you I read books and you know tried to find hope for other survivors I was on a breast cancer support group and everybody mm-hmm. I put out a question who's been a survivor for one year two years ten years and I clung to those people and um, that's what helped me get through that being positive and looking at the bright side of it or as you know maybe not the bright side but as bright as you can get but trying to look at like you said, instead of being, you know, in the 97% that who could die, hey, I'm the 3% who's going to live. So I tried to, you know, I tried to be positive too. Um, Judy, I just want to thank you again for coming on my show and being such an encouragement to me and to the world, um, women who are experiencing this and for all of your work. And thank Dr. Tui for me. <laughs> thank him for, for me because, you know, I have had triple negative as well. And I'm so glad that you came on and I'm proud to call you my friend and, and have you as a guest today. Well, I wish you all the best with your show. And uh, I often say I don't think breast cancer was a gift, but I've gotten so much back. And I just rely on the Bible passage that says, to whom much is given, much is expected. And obviously, being an advocate has helped me so much. But I also feel like I have, an, I have a duty to give back. I feel like that as well. Uh, I think that's the, the best way to feel with any adversity that we're going through. You know, if we can, uh, I know the Bible talks about how once we're once we go through something, reach back and help their brethren get through, you know, pull those who are going through, use, use what we have to pull those who are going through a hard time out of the hard time. And Judy, is there anything that you would like to share with the audience, your website, your books uh, before we go? Um, Well, my website is www.sisters4prevention.com. And um, from there, you can link to my podcast, to my YouTube channel, and um, by my book, my book is called A Teacher's Journey, What Breast Cancer Taught Me. Uh, what happened with the book was when I found Dr. Tui, I thought, well, I've got this journal I was keeping. If I could make it into a book and sell the book for the vaccine fund, that's what I would do. So it's available on Amazon. And um, there's also uh, some logo items on my website that please understand people that 100% of any dollar that goes in the vaccine fund goes directly into the learner research at the Cleveland Clinic, goes directly to Dr. Tui's lab. There's no overhead, there's no um, anything taken out. So every dollar you give, you also get a tax receipt. So it is 100% tax deductible. And um, we still need a lot of support for the, the phases coming up uh, to get to the efficacy phase and to get to uh, the, the prevention phase, it's going to take a lot. So I just thank everyone in advance. And if, 
if that isn't possible for you, just spread the word. You never know who's going to hear about it. That's true. Yeah, I agree. There's so much more work to be done besides what you guys have been doing. Um, thank you once again. And uh, I want to thank you guys for watching. And just remember that every stumbling block in front of you is really a stepping stone because you are an overcomer. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or on Feedspot.com. Your feedback is important in helping us select topics for future podcasts. To stay updated on the latest news about the vaccine clinical trial, please subscribe to my website, www.sistersforprevention.com. That's sisters, the number four, prevention.com. Also, please note that the topics discussed on this site are not meant to be used in lieu of medical advice. I am not a medical professional, nor do I claim to be. I am merely sharing what I have learned from personal experience, discussions with fellow survivors, and many hours of research. So for now, I'll leave you with my mantra, Cancer is a word, not a sentence. So may God bless you and keep you till next time. Thank you.